Welcome to the Pragmatic Lead Podcast. Your hosts are Alex Pachuk and John Massey. We have conversations with folks throughout the tech industry to get real-world perspective on how people make things happen for their careers and businesses. Check out pragmatically.com for more content just like this. With us today is Eric Nims. Eric has had an extensive career in information technology, who most recently has held roles such as chief security, privacy and IT infrastructure, VCIO, and as I have always known and worked with Eric is application development. Eric is known for his balanced perspective of technology and business, and has saved companies money by getting products to market and in saving costs in daily operations. Uh, Eric has been a coach and a mentor for me uh, early in my career, and we are excited to talk to him today. Eric, welcome, and thank you for sharing some of your time with us. Hey, thanks, John. Hey, Eric. Cool. So our uh, episode today is we wanted to go back to the beginning of our careers when some of us did not know how to ask for money for our work. Um, Back when we were were happy with people giving us just paying something for building a website. So we're just really just grateful that someone was willing to pay us to do something that uh, we had learned how to do. So Eric, jumping into the first question here. So when I started working as a designer and programming user experiences on the web, I was doing full-on projects for around $500 a pop, which looking back is, I was grateful for, but um, definitely wouldn't do that again. You always told me- (laughs) I was doing that for 300. (laughs) 300? (laughs) Wow. And a coffee. Oh, wow. Of course. It's a good coffee. Eric, you always told me that I was crazy for doing what I needed. Charging what little you were because you gave gave yourself no value. Right. I wasn't sure what that meant all those years ago. Actually, as a matter of fact, it was more of an emotional reaction. From I was just really genuinely uncomfortable. But uh, looking back all those years ago, what did you see that I didn't see? Well, I mean, it was to me, it was really clear. You know, starting to work with you and seeing what you were uh, accomplishing, you know, taking ideas that people were throwing at you and coming up with your solutions. It was clear that you knew what you were doing. You didn't have the confidence, which was problem number one, because you were just starting out. And, um, you know, all I could see was, you know, I had been doing it for some time before that. And, um, you know, I had a good idea what people were getting for the same types of stuff or worse. I should say, because, um, you know, you, you had originally put out some pretty nice stuff that uh, impressed me and impressed uh, a number of other people. And, you know, I, I know what it was worth and I understand where you were coming from. But it's one of those things where you didn't have the self-awareness and you, you were very uncomfortable about the whole money thing. You know, you and I had always talked about, you know, trying to just help anybody out to see, you know, to try to make their their dream come true, so to speak, when it came to uh, technology and getting them uh, up on the web somehow. And we worked with a lot of people and you worked with a lot of people that just didn't have any money. But um, what you didn't understand was that it's such a beginning time in your career or anybody's career, especially if you, you know, like you showed right up front that you knew what you were doing and you could produce nice things that, you know, 
you were greatly undervaluing yourself because, you know, you're producing things at such an early time that other people were doing it that had a lot more years on you. And, um, you know, granted, you know, you were uncomfortable because you were new. Uh, you didn't quite understand the, the money side of it and what something was technically worth. But I think what the problem was with you was you really couldn't see that you're providing something to somebody. And this is what the whole thing stems on. You're providing something to somebody that they just can't do themselves. You take it for granted because you're like, well, hey, you know, I can go over here and uh, someone says, give me a cartoon character that signifies this. And, you know, and you can turn it around and that day you have, you know, a couple of mock-ups of something that was pretty cool, inspiring to somebody looking at it from the other side as being their product, whether it was, uh, you know, a little tchotchke type thing or a, a design for a, a website or, you know, a marketing piece of material, whatever. You didn't understand that those people were coming to you because you could do it and they can't. And you took for granted the fact that you can do that. And I think everybody does. Whatever discipline they're working in, whether it's a technology field or any field, really. I mean, you could be a car mechanic, small engine repair, anything, whatever you're thinking of, you know, especially if it's something that you technically are doing with your hands. I mean, people take for granted that, you know, well, it's easy for me. I can do it. But you had the problem of not realizing that they came to you because they can't and you can't. So that was a big problem up in the beginning that, you know, I saw that it not necessarily a problem, just a growing thing. You had to get the confidence that you knew what you were doing and it was valuable. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. And what's, what was interesting is I never thought, especially early on that I would ever go beyond a certain dollar amount that this is how much like a website is $500 or $200 or whatever it was. And every time we did one, that's what it was. And I remember that we did some exercises to say like, oh, well, how much time are we going to spend on this? And that was kind of the first moment when like, oh, okay, yes, so this is an hourly thing. I'm spending weeks and weeks on it. And it varies widely depending on what, what we're committing to. Um, so uh, maybe I shared a little bit, Alex, I don't know. Do you have, do you have like a story or what was it like when you were starting out? Did you feel the same way? So I started doing websites, uh, I want to say 2007 six, something like that. So I was doing first a few websites for like a hundred, two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars max. Um, and I felt guilty, actually guilty charging people because I knew that it was like so easy to build these websites. It's just simple HTML or I could even get like a template off the web. Just whip up like a quick one for a client and I kind of felt guilty like, oh, I'm gonna charge this person three, five, three hundred, five hundred dollars. So yeah, that was kind of like where I started. And then slowly and slowly, um, I started charging more. Not because uh, somebody told me that I should. And uh, it was the opposite. People were like, oh, it's too expensive. It's like, <laughs> why? <laughs> because I started spending more more time on it. I started kind of paying more attention to detail. I started to kind of improve my craftsmanship. Uh, I started doing kind of more custom websites, went to e-commerce websites. So the complexity increased uh, and my time that I had to spend on these websites uh, increased as well. So it was slow kind of gradual realization that this is worth a lot more than I was charging in the beginning. So that's kind of how I started. And, and Eric, 
like was it obvious to you at the beginning of your career or how did you well yeah i mean for me i you know i started out in it low level first rung of the ladder so to speak and as i progressed forward right away i jumped right into web development that dealt with some form of company based software so that was sort of like my my jump into it and and in that time looking at it from the uh, perspective of sales I didn't have to put price tags on it myself because I was seeing how much these things were worth and they were being dictated. And I was, you know, they were saying, well, how much time do you think it'll take to do this kind of a thing? And then I would say, oh, X amount of hours or days or whatever it is, you know. And, um, you know, so I got right out of the gate. I mean, I did see that something I would say, like, you know, Alex was mentioning, and I think we've all seen it, that, oh, yeah, you start out because, you know, you just want to eat and you just want to get something to do so you have some form of portfolio, just like any design thing. But I, I was lucky for the fact that um, I was seeing, you know, the thousands of dollars uh, for something that I was producing. And at that time, I wasn't overly worried about because I wasn't in it for myself. I was working for people. So, you know, I got to see what they were charging for it. And that really helped a lot. That that made me right off the bat skip that whole phase of, you know, this is only to me worth a couple hundred bucks because why would it be more kind of a thing? And uh, it's tough, but it, I mean, all the price, all the pricing is on a sliding scale for a reason. You know, that's why, you know, you get, you know, if you've already passed the whole $200 website thing or $500 website thing, you know, you're still, then you jump onto the next sliding scale for what you're going to charge for fees. And, you know, it's all relative, you know, I mean, I think we've all had that where, why, why is this guy charging 30, 40, 50 bucks an hour? And then you go down the street, so to speak, and there's a guy charging, you know, 150, $500 an hour. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, yeah, they're a big company, but you know, what, what does that have to do anything, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, it takes a while, but you get there and it's a, it's a tough thing to hit, but cause then you look back and go, geez, I should have charged so much more money. But, um, but it's a portfolio builder, you know? Yeah, I can see the benefit in that. So, I mean, would you, would you say like, there's probably a period of time at the very beginning of your career where almost kind of giving your work away for free is appropriate for a period well, of time? Yeah. I mean, really at the end of the day, you do have to start out not necessarily giving it away, but not necessarily making a lot of money either, because, you know, in order for you to get those jobs, that are going to pay you, you know, you you do a website and maybe it's ten grand. In order to get that, you have to have some form of portfolio, and um and and as you guys know, I mean, every year it goes by that you guys are working, it's just another piece going into the portfolio or pieces going to the portfolio. So when that guy comes along and says, you know, I need this, and um, but I need to know that you can do it. You can say, yeah, I got this catalog of stuff I've done, and so when you say to him ten grand you're confident because that's, that's what it's worth. And, you know, John and I have always looked at, you know, not necessarily butt heads, but looked at the idea of money. And, um, you know, I've, I've taken the approach where I have a hard time with a, a dollar figure per hour. I'm more of the guy who looks at it as like, at the end of the day, what, what's it worth to them? You know, is it worth a thousand dollars and is it worth your time to do it? Or is it worth, 
you know, maybe you would normally charge somebody and this isn't taking advantage of anybody, but it's, it's, it's the value of the product that you're producing for this, this company or person or whatever, you know, like for example, uh, you know, John and I, we, uh, we developed something that went on to Facebook and because that wasn't something that was like, you can Google and get an idea how to do it. Uh, it wasn't out there. It wasn't done. We charged the guy 25 K for it because it was, that's what we felt was fair. And, um, you know, it seems ridiculous, but you know, at the time, you know, John and I are looking at it going, you know, this isn't something that's out there. This is completely new. And what's that worth to somebody? And that's, that's a big part of it too, is yeah, you can go by the standard stock stuff of saying, here's an hourly figure, but then it depends on really what you're working with. Because if you're looking at stuff where you're coming up with a new technology or new integrations and stuff, beyond everything else, that has its own value. And that's definitely in its own upper echelon of how you charge people. That's definitely it. You know? Yeah, it's kind of hard to put uh, price on innovation because yeah. that's kind of a definition, right? It's innovative. It doesn't exist anywhere. Exactly. So you have to come up with an idea. You have to solve a really hard problem with technology that maybe not many people have experience with. So it's really hard exactly. to put a, put a price on that. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's and, and again, it's not about how much can you get out of somebody, but it's really, you know, at the end of the day, you have to look at it where what is that technology worth? And there's been times where John and I have worked together and I think it may have been on that same project that, you know, we have this way of doing something that's extremely innovative. They're not willing to pay for it. Well, they don't get it. Simple. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, maybe you don't get to write that code for that piece because they're not willing to pay for it, but you can always write it on the side for yourself. And hopefully the day comes that, you know, someone needs it. And it's not already out there and you can charge the money for it. And that's a gamble as well. But, uh, you know, it's it's very difficult. But, you know, it's like you said, it's hard to put a price tag on innovation because, you know, you really you really have no idea. And, you know, even you don't even really have an idea of worth at that point, but you have to give it worth. You have to absolutely give it worth. It has to have like something that's new. And like, you know, think about when Tesla came out, you know, that that was a totally innovative and that had value and um and that's why they can get that kind of money for those types of cars yeah and also one of the reasons why you can't or it's hard to put the price on innovation is because as a, an a engineer developer a person who does the work you don't really know how much time you need so it's hard to ask even estimate what it's going to take to solve this problem or come up with some interesting solution that will work and provide the value for the for that company or a person Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, you could think about it, sit down with a group of people and go, okay, now what do we need to do to solve this problem? And then you guys are three quarters of the way through, you hit a wall and you have, because you don't know. And uh, you hit this wall and you have no idea how to tie something together. Next thing you know, you know, you spend an extra three weeks on something that you didn't budget for. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's extremely difficult. Absolutely. But it has to, you, but it has to be given value. Something so guilt was uh, an emotional <laughs> <laughs> uh, detail there, and and actually, like, and Alex and I shared shared that for when we're trying to ask for more money. It, do you think I'm wondering where where is the guilt derived from, or why do we feel guilty? And I'm wondering, is it in because we don't have belief in the idea of the thing we're working on? Like, for instance, oh, geez. I'm taking a lot of resources from this person to build this thing they're asking me to build. And I don't even know if that is, this is a good idea. 
Well, I mean, you have two things there. You know, one is just the, the guilt of the charging for something. And I think that just stems on the fact of something that I had said earlier about, you know, again, you take for granted. I mean, I think we all do and did uh, take for granted that, you know, we hear a problem and, you know, like my first instinct when I hear a problem is how can I solve that with code? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I can write anything to do anything I want. And, you know, I take that for granted and I know that you guys can do the same thing. And it's like, you know, we take that for granted because we, we just say, oh yeah, we'll just do this and, and, you know, and whip something out. And next thing you know, we have a product. We take that and almost internally give it no value because it's just, it's like, it's like breathing for us. It's not that big a deal, but for somebody else on the outside, like if you can produce something that solves some major problem in a company, whether it's just having, you know, some form of uh, foothold in a market or your online presence or, you know, solves problems internally because there's a software solution you put together that speeds up processes or whatever, that's invaluable to them, you know? And so again, I mean, like you're, well, geez, you know, I feel kind of weird. I mean, it's only going to take me a week to do this. And, you know, I feel funny about charging all this money. I mean, that's, that's the guilt, but it's because we don't, we don't think of it that way. You know, think about it like a, a surgeon, you know, do they feel guilty uh, charging you what they charge? Because it's not like you're going to go somewhere else. You're not going to go to us and get a new kidney. You know what I mean? Like you, right. you, you know what I mean? Like we can't do that, but also that same surgeon, as much as they make and everything they do, chances are they can't do what we do. So every, everything, you know, it's, it all comes down to value and just getting over that hump, you know, of understanding that, you know, it, it's what we do. Granted, it's not life and death, but it's just as critical. Mm-hmm. It means a lot. And um, just as much to other people as it, you know, it does for somebody who needs a surgeon uh, just in different ways, obviously. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's that. And then, you know, it, the guilt, the guilt you're talking about with work. I mean, you have to look at it as we don't, we're not all seeing, you know, we don't, we, we might have a, a 95% understanding what has to be done. And as we all know, sure. I mean, we have 95%, but you know, as, as we've all done, there's that small percentage that we really just don't understand how we're going to put that together, but we can fill those pieces in as we get there. So it's the cost of doing business. You know, sometimes you're going to make out and, you know, you're going to get done in three days instead of six days. And sometimes you're going to say, okay, and you, you budgeted for six days and it takes you 12 days. Um, That's just the cost of doing business. But, you know, if it's something that you're discussing, that's, you know, we've been talking about as innovative, it, it has to happen because you have no idea, you know? Heavy innovation. Sometimes we forget that our work goes beyond just what's happening in front of the computer, right? Like if you're working on a project, it's, it's almost like it's a part of you until it's, until it's over. You're thinking about it at dinner. You're thinking about it at bed at night. You're thinking about it when you're in the shower in the morning. Uh, So it's, it's a lot of, I mean, we've had conversations that we're having conversations with our significant others and it could be a good conversation or argument. And I'm still thinking, how am I going to code this? Yes. <laughs> so we, we've all been there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's also for, for as engineers, as, as programmers, we don't really 
think about money as much about as as code. So we're not like salespeople or or money people or business people. So we don't think about that side of the 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 hundred percent or or or. or the business, right? So for me, it always felt uncomfortable when I the the time came to talk about money and the price. It's like oh, it's like I really want to do a good job. I really want to code it. I get excited. It's like money is really is not important to me, and that's the problem. And that's where to, for me, where the guilt was like I really want to do the work, and I don't want to worry about the money. Right. No, absolutely. But then at the end of the day, you got to eat. <laughs> that's right yeah, so you learn you, know? so you learn you learn yeah uh, and, and the time goes and you, you learn you have to charge more because you need to you need to make money you need to live uh, right well the other the other thing too is you know you mentioned uh you're you're a classic programmer no question that's that's very common with a lot of people that you know write code and what what ends up happening is you're just like you said you're stuck in code mode and um you know, when you talk to somebody about a project, you, you know, you're almost caught off guard when you're talking about money because, you know, that's that's not exactly what you do. I, I was very lucky because um, I have a pretty heavy sales background. And so, like, for, you know, just to throw out one example, like when I was working with John on this one specific project, you know, we went in there and we're, you know, I think one of the biggest things when it comes to presenting your product or, or the solution to a, an, uh, a problem and, and talking about money is, you know, we, John and I, we have, you have to be very confident. And um, I remember specifically, we went to this realty company and uh, we walked in, you know, we're dressed nice. We come in, bang, shake the hands, big smiles, just sat down. We started banging out conversation and it was very salesy. And um, they didn't think we were the ones that were going to actually do the programming. They just thought we were like the sales guys. And um, it was very funny because uh, we were told specifically in that meeting that like the people before us that they talked to, they said that they had a sales guy in there and they, you know, and they had their programmer in there. And this is w what I mean about confidence. I mean, this guy could have been the best programmer in the world, but when you come across like this, it's difficult to go anywhere because, you know, again, even though we're coding, what we're coding is for people. So it's a very people oriented industry. So, you know, they said, ah, the, the guy came in, he's doing all the talking, he's clear the sales guy. And the other guy was just kind of like, as they put it, like this, the typical program, he's just sitting in the corner like this, kind of all to himself going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess I can do that. And, you know, he had like no confidence. So I mean, we were more expensive than they were to, to put this thing together. But, you know, we you, we developed a very quick rapport with them, easy to talk to. And, um, you know, we ended up getting the deal. So that's cool. But like that, that's a big thing. Like you have to have confidence. And I know there's a lot of people out there that may not have a lot of confidence, but you know, in a lot of fields, it, it pretty much plays the part is you got to fake it till you make it. And um, if you mm -hmm. don't have confidence and you're having a struggle with that, you got to fake it. Come up with a way. I don't care. Just talk to people. You just get out there and talk to people about anything. And um, because, you know, at the when it all breaks down, you're the guy that can do this. So you got to have confidence in that, you know. And uh, I think that's why John and I always did quite well when we dealt with people. Uh, getting business because, you know, one, we were always honest. We were always upfront. 
And, um, you know, we, we also exude confidence. Like I wouldn't say we were like crazy cocky, but it was enough where in, in a salesy environment, uh, we came across, like we knew what we were doing. It didn't like, you wouldn't have talked to us back then and, um, got the feeling that we just started doing this, which I think was uh, an important step for, for John and myself. So, yeah, it's like they say, learn how to build then learn how to sell and only then yep. you will be successful. The one or the other doesn't cut. So you have exactly. to Exactly. You have to have both. hundred percent. No question about it. The thinking back at those, in those moments, I was in meeting with people. I was actually excited to meet with them and talk about the work that they, they wanted to do with us based on, we were just having a great time. I was having a lot of fun working, working on these types of projects. I mean, granted a lot of them were really complicated uh, and, and they had their own uh, difficulties, but I remember those conversations. But I, I was—I think that was also something we brought. It wasn't just like—I don't think it was just confidence. It was that we en- genuinely enjoyed what we were right. doing. Hundred percent, I agree with yeah. that. Uh, yeah, I—I th- I think you're right. I think that we really, we really portrayed uh, a love and passion for what we were doing, and I think that came through hundred percent clear every time we we talked to people. So, kind of closing in on the kind of like that entry time when we're getting paid with pizza to, to build complex <laughs> things. When is awesome. enough enough? Like when, when should I kind of say to myself, look, I've done enough of this kind of pro bono or kind of pizza work. When would, when would you say it's time to start thinking it's time to move on from this and to get something a little bit more rewarding? Yeah. Cause one of the big things, is that a question to me or is that to Alex? Oh, it's just Jen. Oh, and either really. Okay. I mean, I guess I'll go first. The big thing about it is this. You have a, a few sides to that, that, I mean, that puzzle because it, it, and it is a puzzle because it is a very, it's a little balancing act because you made your start on these people paying you in pizza and, you know, you, you did big work with people and, uh, for me, it was pasta sauce. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and, and um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I got pizza and pasta sauce. It was kind of cool for a, a pretty good sized company, actually. Small pizza place, but big company. Anyway, it's it's tough because it ended up being that it was great. They were extremely happy with what I was doing, and um, the 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 relationship worked out really great. Where you know I got some pieces that I could showcase. You obviously met a lot of people. Then they start telling people, which is obviously what you want, because then I mean that's the best advertisement. Someone saying this guy is the guy. You know, if you need it done, this is the guy will do it. But the problem is they're also having that conversation of you know we pay them like this, and uh, you know you guys you guys sell apples, <laughs> so maybe you guys can. Give them some bushels of apples and, you know, you know, that's, that's the part that you really run into. You're like, oh, you know, so it's a juggling act when it comes to that kind of thing, because, yeah, I mean, you always want someone to refer you because obviously that's the best way of getting business. But even though that, you know, this guy was your bread and butter because he helped you build and and you're getting that. I mean, I think it's when do you feel that your portfolio is enough to go out there and get work? Because there is going to come a time where you don't certainly don't want to burn those bridges. I still talk with those people and I give them advice and stuff, but I don't do their programming or anything. But yeah, I mean, you got to you got to find out like there's that sweet spot where you're like, okay, I have enough catalog now where I can go somewhere and actually make money. 
you, you know, and that's that's critically important. And that's still that it'll never turn around. You'll you you should never be a person starting out and not be doing that some in some form or fashion, because you gotta get that's the best way to get a portfolio and 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 more work along the way because everybody knows somebody. But yeah, I mean, it, it, the break off is when you really do feel that you have this this portfolio that's strong enough for what you're trying to accomplish. And that's that's kind of when you would sign and say, okay, well, I'm kind of done doing the pizza deals and, and move mm. on. That's, yeah, that's any, my opinion. Yeah, any path to um, mastery starts with uh, education and uh, apprenticeship. So that's 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 your entry point, right? So it's, don't feel bad for charging less or not char- charging at all. At all, it's a part of the education process and, and kind of getting experience and getting into into the industry. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's sort of like paying your dues. Yeah, yeah, but for longevity, it's so it's okay. So it's good to go in knowing that we're paying our dues, we're developing ourselves, we're building our skills. We're learning, we're, at, we're getting life experience, but always know that, keep in mind that another step is ahead of us and we can really start. And, and that's really important to keep in mind to really reap the benefits of our skills because sometimes we could just give up, right? Like I'm sure I'm spending so much time on this. Maybe I've done a dozen projects at this point. We've all been there. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And we've, I've only made like this amount and I'm doing this and my full-time job at the same time. I'm just not realizing the benefits and maybe I just quit, right? I stopped. How many times have you and I had that conversation? We've called me up and you're like, dude, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. It just gets so much. It's, it's, um, but if you're, if you're keeping in mind that there is a reward in there and that you can grow something I want to kind of run by you guys and was told to me by one of my managers a while back, he said, he told me this story. He said, a woman walks into a bar and Picasso's at, at the bar. And she says, oh, you're my favorite artist, Picasso. Can you please take this napkin and you draw something for me? Uh, it would mean so much to me. And Picasso takes a napkin and he draws a little doodle on the thing and he hands it to her. And she says, oh, it's beautiful. This is everything I, I wanted. I'm so happy. And Picasso, Picasso replies, great, that'll be $1 million. <laughs> <laughs> the right. woman goes, what do you mean? This took you 30 seconds to draw. And Picasso, uh, Picasso. replies, it took a lifetime. Yep. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and that well, that that's in a nutshell, that's value. Mm-hmm. That's value right there. Yeah. So talking about clients now, how do you identify a bad client? Right. So in the beginning, you might have the, these clients aren't technically bad; they're just trying to get something, a service out of you that, um, but not necessarily willing or able to pay for it. Sure. Which is fine, right? That's that's fair. That's that's a catalog of things. I can't go out and buy a Rolex because I don't have Rolex kind of money. Right. So how do you know, like if you're talking to people and you're trying to make that next step into pizza money, into a real career, and maybe you want to do this freelance, what are some characteristics in a client that you look for or maybe early signs that can warn you that maybe it's not an exact fit or, well, yeah, let's start there. Do you want to go first, Alex? Um, sure. I've had, um, I don't think I've had a, a lot of bad clients, a couple for sure. To me, a bad client always starts negotiating for a price. Um, I think the cheaper the client, the more problems you're going to have. That To me, that was pretty much true when I started out. So if the client started with the money, it's like, oh, I just, I have like $200, $300 or whatever, $800. 
that to me was a red flag. That that meant they wanted to have a lot more for what they were trying to pay. And they were shopping. They were calling probably different people, different companies, um, and just trying to kind of get the, the cheapest rate. And when you work for the cheapest rate, for the cheapest price, don't expect to have a fun, great experience. It's just going to be really... Um, just to get the job done for again for the for the the cheapest price, and they will probably be um, pain in the ass. They will probably going to be asking for a lot of changes for a Stop lot more. <laughs> yeah, so it's just going to be a really tough tough uh, experience. So to me, that, that was that was that was my experience. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, that's that's pretty classic. The one thing that I've I've done and uh, with with especially with John, even uh, when we were together is uh, the first thing I I'll talk to somebody about is um, what's your budget? And and so it leads into what you're saying. If someone says I got 200 bucks, then like, yeah, I, I really that's not, you know, depending on where you are. If we're just talking about forgetting the you're new now and just going clients, you know, that's that's a huge telltale. You're right. I mean, but I you know, I've dealt with a lot of people that said, well, it depends. You know, and once you hit that, you know, right off the bat, it's probably going to be somebody that you can deal with. And um, because that's a pretty common response is, well, it depends. And um, and so that's fine. But, um, you know, the way that I've found that really works for me um, when I uh, talk to somebody about their project is one of the things I'll say up front and. this goes hand in hand with some of the things that, you know, John and I have worked on in the past is that, you know, I'll, I've come right out and said, you know, hey, we're not the cheapest. You can go out there and you can get somebody else to do that job cheaper than us. I guarantee it. But you're going to get what exactly what you pay for with us. It's as simple as that. And, you know, if it depends on how to me, it depends on how they respond to that. If they're going to come back and say, Oh, well, you know, yeah, I understand. And, you know, we're, we're going to continue looking and stuff. That's probably not going to be a good client because, you know, they're not hearing why you're better and more money. You know what I mean? Because I can't tell you how many times, you know, we've or myself have gone into a project where, you know, somebody says, oh, that's way too much money. And you're like, that's that's fine. You know, it, it's that's what it is. And, uh, you know, no harm, no foul. And, you know, if you found someone to do it for half the price, by all means, you know, good for you. You know, I hope that it comes out exactly the way you want, but I'll tell you more times than not, six months later, year later, those same people come back and they'll say, Hey, I made a mistake. I went with the cheap guy. I got cheap product. I didn't quite get what I want. So you got to hold your ground anyway. But I think that that is, um, that's something that ties in exactly with what you said is, um, you know, understanding the way they answer some of those uh, initial questions really can identify someone. If they come out and say before you've even really talked that, oh, you know, I got I only got a two, three hundred hours for a site that that isn't somebody you probably want to deal with, because if if something like. I can't tell you how many times I have, and I'm sure you guys have too, in the middle of a project, you're like, you know, if we did this to it, it would be so much better, so much more slick. It would work so much better this way and it would satisfy all these things and it'd be, you know, and, and, but it's going to cost this much more money. You know, that happens all the time. And, um, the guy who says two, three hundred dollars for a site, he's, he's going to say, yeah, if you want to throw it in. And then, you know, that sucks because it's, it's good to be excited about 
what you're doing and um, and having that sort of uh, creative uh, flow going and you're saying, wow, you know, like having an idea and going back to them and saying, you know, look, granted, I know we we, uh, you know, decided on X, but we can throw this in here, too, and be really, really awesome. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, I never thought of that. But that guy, yeah, I mean, you're 100% right. Um, that's a tough client. Yeah. So continue on this on this topic. Uh, I, I'm curious, how do you find the right balance? How do you research or come up with, with your price? How do you come up with what you should be charging? Like what's what's fair? So I know you start you you can ask like what's your budget and kind of go from there. But how do you know where that baseline? How do you research that? Since you get both guys who are kind of sales slash engineers, um, I'm curious sure. how you approach that. Well, I mean, it, it really comes. It, it's actually very simple because of the fact that I have a, a the sales side of it too. Um, so you're always thinking, you know, program to money. You know, and uh, whether it's hourly by project or whatever. So if someone tells me, you know, they'll go through the whole spiel, you know, in the beginning, they tell you, this is what I want, has to do this, has to talk to that, blah, 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 blah. I want it to look like this. I want it to react this, whatever. They tell you the whole nine yards. You can already think of in the back of your head, well, I could probably get that gun done in a week and a half, you know, two weeks or whatever the case may be. And, uh, you know, and to me, that's worth nine grand, you know. And then, um, you know, and that's, that's typically the way we think is all in, all out, like this is zero to 60, uh, nothing in the middle. And that's like our, our best piece that they're going to get, you know, but then they say, well, you know, my budget is around seven. It doesn't really change the project, except they're not going to get this, you know, now they're getting kicked down to 50 you know, or 40 or, or whatever, you know, it, they're still going to get what they want, but they're not going to get some of the trick bells and whistles that we are able to put into uh, a project. And um, it's not necessarily going to be lacking. It's still going to do what they want, but they're just not going to get as much technology in it. Right. It just means that, you know, you can still accomplish the same thing just with less time and less technology. And that, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the way I look at it is, you know, I always think of the largest possible bubble and then I can squeeze it in from there, depending on the money. I, I sense, uh, thanks, Alex. Um, I've been trying to, so the, you have to be willing to say no though. Oh yeah. And that, I struggle with that. Uh, somebody like almost like when somebody says, and they're asking, they, I feel like they're asking me for help with like an idea. Oh, I, there's this app I want to build. It connects with all these things in the world and creates this crazy summary that makes everyone's lives better. And you take a step back and you're like, okay, well, either a friend of mine or someone I know when you're reaching out in some capacity, like, well, you know, do you have a budget for this? They're, the first thing they say usually is, oh, well, maybe we can be a partner. <laughs> the old partner trick. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a classic one. So to me, as a sign, there's there's something. And... And a couple of times I've, you know, and we've, we've experimented with that a little bit, I, I think. We're like, okay, well, we'll take a share of whatever this is, but what are you accountable for? Right. We're, we're building all of the things and creating all of the ideas and realizing all of those things and dealing with all that complexity. What's your part in this? So idea person. They come up with idea. What are you talking about? It's eighty percent. <laughs> but that's but that's not necessarily wrong, right? I mean, they are the idea person, but I don't think they have because you get run into a lot of people that don't have the respect for what you do, 
And I think that really comes down to it. They, they don't respect it. And, um, you know, they've, they've gone, they've gone on a, a webpage and they filled out the form with the WYSIWYG editor and they think, well, I, I, I can, I can do this, you know, and they don't realize there's so much more to it or, Hey, I, I was able to look at that Google thing and I was able to print out hello world on my page so I can program. But yeah, I mean, that's brutal. I mean, that's, it, it's a, it's a tough thing when, you know, the guy doesn't have the respect or, or woman or whatever, but um, the idea behind, you know, the partnership thing and all that um, they don't understand that like for a lot of these companies, you're making their business. You know, and I ran into a situation where I thought it was uh, it was a crazy idea, but um, it made a lot of sense, and uh, I thought it had merit, and so I was willing to take a piece of the company, and run with it, and give them everything that they could possibly want and more, because now my name is in it, and I actually have a benefit in having them succeed because I'll make more money. And my feeling was, hey, you know, if I'm getting a piece of the company, I look at the way the the pricing structure is, and I I can make far more money over time than what I would charge to make the site. Problem is, is then the 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 actual owner, the the head guy, because he has the majority stake, he gets a little greedy. He doesn't respect what you do, and everybody's falling behind and not doing their job, but you're doing yours. Because if there's a product out on the market and that's the product is like something web-based, you're allowing them, you're enabling them to make money. And what ended up happening was it came to, you know, a head where, you know, I said, look, you're not doing any marketing. You're not doing any of this stuff. I have your site up and running. It's moving along at a snail's pace. And I said, you know, you guys got to do what you're supposed to do. I did what I, I was supposed to do. And, um, he got the uh, idea that they didn't need me. They didn't need the site wasn't the business. And um, oddly enough, we both parted ways. The site stopped being updated. It stopped being managed. And the business is lo- no longer around. And it happened within six months. I mean, it was quick. So, I mean, it's it's tough. But yeah, I mean, that, that happens a lot. And But you got you to gotta stand your ground. I mean, it's got to have some principles eventually, right? People underestimate the value of uh, well-executed software, absolutely running oh, well, yeah. stable software. It's not z- zero or one, working or not working. There's right. a lot of there's a lot that goes into software. The well-designed software makes all the difference, and it makes some companies successful and other companies fail miserably. So that's hundred percent. or a lot of people don't realize that. I, I think that's the thing too. And, um, you know, if you can bring a piece of sales, uh, into it while you're discussing the project, I think that, uh, you, you tend to limit the amount of people that just don't get it. You do get the greedy people who don't care, uh, which is what I kind of ran into, but it, it's definitely that like what you're saying. And, uh, it, it's part of our job is to educate uh, the person we're uh, working with as well, because a lot of times they don't know. And if you can educate them as much as possible about, you know, the benefits of doing something maybe different that uh, they in- originally envisioned, because, you know, they were also the experts in that. So they kind of need to lean on us a little bit. So, you know, if you can educate the, um, the person that you're dealing with uh, or the group or whatever, um, I think it goes a long way. So, I mean, that's, 
looking back at that story you told Eric, and thanks for sharing that. Um, I think we can all relate to it. Would you say that like somebody's either fiscal or like commitment they're willing to make to, to the people they depend on to build the stuff that they, they want to realize like all also a measure of their commitment to the idea themselves? Well, yeah, but I mean, it, it's also, that's a tough one. That's a real tough one because I mean, we ran into a guy that had every, like granted the idea was a little strange, but he had all of his bases covered. He had everything down. He he knew where he was going to sell his product. He knew how he was going to sell his product. He knew how, you know, the whole thing was supposed to work. Like you couldn't have gone to a place and deal with a company that had it down like he did. I mean, that guy, Russ, I've never met anybody who was more committed to a product and a project in my life, but that's the problem. You know, you're saying about, you know, his fiscal responsibilities and, you know, basically how much money does he have to put into it is how serious he didn't have a pot to piss in that poor guy. But I thought he had a good idea. And, and that's when you have to make those decisions, you know, of how, how far are you willing to go? We were reluctant, but we floated a lot of money for this guy. And that's common as well, that, you know, once this thing takes off, you know, we're, we'll plan to be seeing some more money kind of thing or pay as you go kind of a thing. You know, it's hard, but I don't know if you can necessarily link the uh, commitment to a product or a project by by money. I, I don't think you can do that. I think that something like that is more of an attitude and what you've seen. Like what because before you come in, there has to be a hundred steps or whatever that have to be taken care of before they're even talking to you. It I mean you're the last thing that they should be dealing with is bringing it so everybody sees it, uh so to speak. And and if they if they haven't done those steps and they're talking to you like first or in the beginning, it's probably they probably don't understand how business should work, and it may not be a good fit either because you know it's but so I mean it, the commitment I think is about attitude and you know what type of you know company it is or people you're dealing with because it could be a great company, it could be a great idea. And the execution before you come in could be so bad that it doesn't matter what you do, it's going to fail. And uh, I think that happens more than not, unfortunately. But um, so I, I wouldn't link it with money uh, as a commitment. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it sounds like, so what I'm trying to tease at too is if you were going to make a partnership with someone or if you have, if you're in a position where you can give away a little bit of yourself or take some of the risk of joining in on a project, what would be a healthy relationship look like versus something that would be unhealthy where you have unhealthy is you're working on something and you're just, it's, you're just being taken advantage of. It's, you're just soaking a ton of your time and there's not a lot of anything coming back, but there are good opportunities. We have startups, right? Huge. All the time. Right. And these are people that are spending a lot of their own personal time diving into an idea that they feel very passionately about. If you are bringing skills, if you're asked to join some like a group like that, especially earlier on in your career, what are the characteristics of the environment? And you mentioned a lot with with the, the this previous client where 
he gave you the impression that he had done his homework and he had a plan and a vision, it seemed. Yep. So would it be safe to say that ask questions about how they they perceive the outcomes of the work before jumping into a relationship like that? Well, well, sure. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like if you're getting in into bed with anybody like that, you really do have to understand, like, uh, you, you know, you look back and you're like, geez, I really could have saved a lot of heartache if I just did X, Y, and Z. And, and knowing that now, I mean, it would have helped me out a lot. I, I still wouldn't have changed it because uh, it, it made me what I am today, the goods and the bads. But, you know, you got to look at it this way. It doesn't matter if you're just starting out or if you're doing it for 30 years. It, it, it really doesn't. You still have to go in with the idea that, number one, it's business. It has nothing to do with whether or not you like the guy. Uh, you, don't, you guys can be best friends on the outside, but inside, it's business. And when it comes down to it, if you feel that it's something that makes sense for you to jump into like that, doesn't really matter about anything else. You have to make sure the boundaries are set. Everybody has a specific job. And just like if you go to work for somebody, everybody holds you accountable for you doing your job. You have to speak up and make sure that everybody's accountable and everybody's doing their job. And the person in charge of marketing is doing marketing and getting results. And if they're not, then speak up and say, why? Like, what are you doing wrong? Or what can somebody help you with? Or do you have a question? Or, you know, because, you know, when it comes to marketing, we're not stupid in that area, too. I mean, we have some knowledge in that as well. And, um, you know, it, you really just have to hold people accountable and, and just make sure that you could split that out is it, it's business because it's, it's your time and money as well. So that's kind of the only thing I can say, you know, say that, that would help on that. What do you think, Alex? I Any partnerships that have gone awry? What was that? Any partnerships that have gone awry? Never. Maybe a lesson? They're all perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I usually tend to avoid uh, partnerships uh, in, in, in general because um, it's a um, very confusing area for me to navigate in terms of the contracts and like how do we split the share? How do I how do I use my share? Like what does it mean to me? It becomes very gray area. I've had a couple of those and they I don't think I've gotten any value out of those partnerships. So a couple of things that I'll do to test the waters with someone. If, um, if I like the idea and I think it might be interesting or it holds water and, and I, and I personally want to explore it, but I'm not sure about this person or individual. I'll, I won't overcommit myself. I'll use terms like, let's see where we go. Right. It's like, Oh, I'll spend this much time on this thing. I'll say, I'll use specific terms to say like, I'm, I'm drawing boundaries and then I'll set like mental milestones. I'll say, I'm willing to, how much am I willing to commit my own personal time to understanding what first, what I'm getting into here? It's a great point. So the first thing I'll do is say, okay, well, let me do some design comps. I can do that pretty quick. I can throw some quick ideas together. I'll throw it out there and let me see what this, how this person responds to it. How long does it take them to get back to me? What's their response? Are they asking for specific things? Do they have do they care about the, the the brand if that's the first part that you're looking to establish? Or maybe it's not even that far. Maybe I'm just going to mock up some system design comps, right? Like here's a here's what your what the outline of how we can be distributed or our deployments might work and what kind of applications I think we're going to need. What do you think? How long does it take to get back to me? How are they asking me any questions? Um, are they asking about how much money is you know certain things are going to cost? 
And I tease at the character of the individual that I'm thinking about engaging with. And I'm always prepared to leave and eject. That's almost like the first thing I'm doing is like, I'm trying to validate. I'm going in with yes, but I'm trying to validate that I'm on a track that's going to be worthwhile for me and the individual that, that has this idea. And I've been, that's been tremendously helpful in just kind of finding soft spots. And I'm asking them, Hey, I'm relying on you to do this or to deliver this thing. And then seeing what their, what their willingness or their capabilities are to deliver that with margin of error, obviously as well. Absolutely. I mean, that's a great point. I mean, that's, that's a really healthy way to do it because, you know, we've had it in the past where, you know, I think everybody, I'm saying we isn't everybody who, who does this type of work that, you know, you had mentioned it earlier about you got to know when to say no and you have to be able to say no. Uh, and that's that's critical. And uh, I think the other thing, too, is, uh, you know, you got to get that thick skin because I know like when you first started out, oh, you, man. you had a really hard time with, with criticism, whether it was mm-hmm. good or bad or whatever. And, um, you know, like you'd give you a, that a boy and you're like, oh, well, oh, you know, oh, thanks, man, I guess, whatever. And then, you know, then. You know, you would say something like, dude, this, this is, this is terrible. It sucks. And, um, you know, like, what are you thinking? You know, and, and, and it was never about your program is, is usually, you know, people critique your design, obviously it's not like they're going to, they have no idea how you program it, but, um, y- you know, everybody has to learn. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you put out there. You got to have thick skin. You absolutely have to take criticism for what it is. You you produce something. That's that's what the design is. You put it down there. It's your interpretation of what they wanted, and uh, it typically has your flavor to it. And um, you know, when somebody tells you, "Oh, that's that's friggin' awful," like what what are you doing? Like that's just not right. That's not what we envisioned at all. And people get really frustrated and can get pretty upset about that. And mm-hmm. um, you know, people have to learn really early that they can't. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Fine, you know, rip it up, throw it away, start over. It's and not only that. I mean, as you probably know, in, in that same sequence, that guy doesn't like it, but this guy loves it, and you've already got it, or and you tweak it a little bit so this guy is like over. You know, he's crazy about it. So it's never. It's never a waste of time. It just wasn't that guy's cup of tea, you know. And um, it, it's hard to have the thick skin, but I think that's a major problem in the beginning. Mm. So knowing when to walk away that's also true for if you're buying a vehicle walk away oh absolutely absolutely <laughs> they'll come running after you yeah i'll knock 500 off it <laughs> no problem so client conversations um had having conversations with clients that give feedback <laughs> about how much you're charging like you're even midway in the project and now your client is having a change of heart maybe that's been a couple of like a couple of weeks in or Maybe you're three months in, it's a pretty long project and your client is trying to now come back to you and beat you down on, on the price and what you're, what you're asking for. How do you deal with that? Do you want to go first? Um, so the question is, would the client wants to renegotiate the price? Yeah. Well, you've, you've been in that conversation before, right? You're like, oh man, why are you guys are just too expensive? Yep. Yeah. So too uh, expensive. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah, I've had those conversations. Yeah. Uh, It usually starts with, uh, with a question. Why, (laughs) what changed? Maybe they already spoke to another company, uh, another uh, developer, and they trying to renegotiate 
the price. Um, so you have to you have to have an honest conversation. What happened? And maybe they're not happy with the work. Maybe they just uh, short on money. So you, you have to. I think you have to start with uh, honest conversation. What happened? Uh, and then kind of go from there. And you you need to understand what the where the client is coming from. Maybe you can you can temporarily. Uh, lower the price maybe you can cut down on your hours or commitment you say okay and we can we can pause here and and come back maybe in a couple of weeks when you can raise another f- round of funding so you have to understand what the problem is so it sounds like have a conversation so the you're picking up on there's a state of mind that has been in, that has changed in in the relationship and to start asking questions to where it's coming from first before jumping to any immediate conclusions about changing the price. Right. It could be, it could be any, anything. It could be they, they, they don't see a value in what they're paying for. So if they, let's say they're paying 100 bucks an hour, if, if it's an hourly project, they just don't see that value. So it's not maybe it's not a return on investment that they were planning for. So it could be, again, it could be a number of things. And, and you have to, before you jump into conclusions and start kind of cutting down your prices, and doing anything, you have to have an honest conversation. It's an art of itself, like to kind of extract that root cause of like what's going on from the client by asking the right questions, uh, by kind of digging deeper into into the uh, into the problem itself. So, when first starting off and facing a conversation like that, there's an emotional reaction that can come out of us, right? Sometimes it's sympathy for the client. We can start falling back into like regressing back into pizza time, right? Like, you know what? Just send me tomato sauce again. That was- Yeah, my, my, my idea behind that is totally different. Oh, what is it? Well, it's, I, I've dealt with it before, but I'm a firm believer that if someone come, well, number one, typically the root cause of that, in, in my experience anyway, is they talk to so-and-so that knows so-and-so and they're a programmer of some sorts, which usually means they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And- you know, what will end up happening is they'll say, oh, that guy charged you eight grand. I would have done it for five. No, you wouldn't. It's just a slimy way of someone just kind of hitting you with something. But and I and I do find that that's typically the root of the problem. They'll talk to somebody else trying to sell them something and they always everybody can come back and say, I would have done that for let. No, that's that doesn't. And and, and it's fine. But where were you anyway? But um the biggest thing is I would never reduce my price because I think that lends itself to the uh, the thing that John talked about, about commitment. They made a commitment to me and I made a commitment to them. We agreed on a price. You know, you don't want to get nasty about it, but, you know, it is what it is. And um, I've had the conversations with people where, you know, somebody's brother's cousin's uncle's nephew uh, would have done it for $3,000 less. And then I say to them, Pay me up to where we are, we are now and go with them. Absolutely, go. You know, have at it. I mean, have them do it. Have them finish it for you. I, I totally am all down for that. If you, if, if you feel more comfortable doing that, but I'm not changing my price. And um, you'll find nine times out of 10, they're, they're just talking to talk to see if you'll come down. But if you come down in price, they're going to do it again. 100% every time. If you come back and say, Hey, you know what? I'm going back to pizza time and I'm going to help these guys out because I want to see the project get finished. It's, you're doomed because that's the other thing too, is you can never, ever look at a, someone else's project as personal. Like John said, you have to know when to just walk away and, um, and not care. Like 
get what's coming to you for, you know, pay or whatever, but you have, it doesn't matter. It's just code. You can write it again a hundred times in your sleep. Just, you know, move on because you're going to be taken really bad advantage of at that point. And, um, but yeah, I would never reduce my price. And I encourage people to go elsewhere if that's the way they feel, because they're not committed to me like I was committed to them when we agreed on a price. That's all. There's a connection between, Alex, something you said and, and Eric, what you just said now and um, in regards to commitment. Well, there is something that we both talked about was value. And um, one of the things is I'm a firm believer if someone comes back to you other than somebody's cousin can do it cheaper, it, it sort of pops into what Alex was talking about. They don't see the value. I mean, my my feeling is that if people are coming back to you trying to get something, the same thing done for less, we're not doing our job. And um, whether it's educating them on what they're getting, understanding of what commitment you're putting into it and what you're bringing to the table or what you're doing. Like, um, you know, if you don't set the project up correctly in the beginning, you could potentially run into that for the fact that, you know, you're in your mind, you're thinking of phase three phases, you know, phase one, they're looking at it where, oh, well, you know, this this guy here, he's charging me all this money. And like right now, all I have is a login page. Mm. It's been a month. Like I don't see anything, but I have a login page. What they don't know is what's behind the scenes. So like if you set it up ahead of time with an appropriate layout of the project plan, because that's your job, you know, you have to, you know, a big thing about all this is milestones. And um, if you're not laying the project out with the client, so it's a hundred percent understandable to them that, Hey, I'm going to take three months, two months of that time, you're going to see a login page. There's like nothing going on that you're going to be able to interact with or do anything with. But then like on the next week on that, you know, you're going to be able to just log in and it's going to, you know, everything they needed to be there is there. If they don't understand that, that you're, you're in for a world of hurt because they're going to think that they're throwing money at you left and right. And uh, they're getting a login page. (laughs) Oh yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of times that's our fault. Yeah. Yeah. There's like that early, the early work, like they see something like, oh my God, is it going to look like that? Like, no, it's. No, that's just, that's placeholders. Yeah. (laughs) The thing, um, attachment uh, to our work as software people, we genuinely enjoy the process. That's why we, we invested so much of our lives to learn how to do it and why we continue to practice. And when you're in a relationship with a client, you're kind of, right, you have a business relationship there. And you start to care more about the work than the client does can be a problem. Alex, what are, do you have checks and balances that you have? Like when you embark on a, on a piece of work, like are there things that you're trying to, are there like parts of your character, like as a craftsman that you're trying to manage to make sure that you're not more committed to something. And it's really making sure that like paying attention to whether or not you're being taken advantage of. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You you have to be really, uh, you have to be careful with with that because you can do you can fall into rabbit hole. Like you, uh, yeah, I just want to optimize this little piece. I want to write all the unit tests. I want to make it like really nice. I want to upgrade all everything to the latest uh, frameworks and make make it work, make it responsive, and then like it goes on and on and on. And all the client all the client needs is maybe a website for a pizza, so people can go and see the menu, right? Right. <laughs> 
Right. So it can you be went way beyond. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to get your own scope creep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. So you, you got to understand what the end goal is. Like, what are you trying to achieve with this software? Because usually software is just a, you know, it's a means to an end, right? It, you, you have, it's a tool to achieve something at the end, like business probably provide some business value or provide a, a value to uh, end users. So just understand that and understand what the end goal is um, and then kind of go from there. And that usually a good um, guidance for you to come up with the price when you just start estimating and charging because estimation is super difficult, almost impossible. I came to that realization years and years after. Like to this day, it's like it's impossible to estimate software projects. So yeah, it's it's easy to fall into that trap where you start optimizing and start kind of mastering everything. So understanding the value, the end goal and the value that the software is going to provide is, is a good guidance. Yeah, the, um, the thing that I can suggest, as I do this all the time, it, it might help you or anybody with, um, you know, pricing a project out is... Um, break it down into as simplest pieces, you know, into tasks, uh, so to speak, you know, like if you have uh, a real estate and you, you know, it's going to go into that. You're like, okay, I gotta, I have these hundred tasks that I have to complete. And then like, you know, you're looking at it like one task could be, okay, we got to establish a login. So what do you need for that? You know, you need to have tables, you need to have the forms, you know, how long is it going to take you to produce that? And, you know, you come up with a, a, a time, you know, okay, it's an hour or whatever, because you're, you're, you're banking on probably other things that you've already done and you're just going to tailor it to theirs because it's just a login page. But like, you know, if you can break it down into uh, the sub pieces of the ultimate goal, you can really look at like, okay, well, I have to do this tie into the MLS. I think I can get that done in like five hours. So then you, you can start putting real time into the various tasks and then add the tasks up. Sometimes you come back and you're like, holy crap, like, look how expensive that is. But that's what it is, you know, and, and you have to accept that. But um, if you can break it really far down, as far as far as you can break that project down, uh, you're doing yourself a huge benefit by understanding it. And you'll also understand the project better. But that, that'll give you a really a helpful way of coming to really drill down on a, a good price to charge for it. It's just task-basing it. That's probably a, a good thing to start doing right at the beginning, even when you're when you're taking on your first few projects, even if you're doing something for like a nonprofit or you're volunteering for something. And even if the client isn't going to engage with it, at least starting to understand what your time investment is. And even looking at things like what you said, Alex, like, oh, I want to upgrade all my frameworks. I want to write unit tests for all these things. Even though the customer will never see those things, you know, as a craftsman, they're important. I mean, I've spent time, I don't know about you guys, and I'm sure you, you, you've had, but have, or maybe I'll even so like say it this way. is like, Have you ever spent a bunch of time like doing feel-good work as a craftsman that you oh, know yeah. your client will never actually like say thank you for doing? but you just kind of feel good for doing it, but it took you a lot of time. Like maybe you took six, eight, 10 hours even to set something up a certain way just because you knew it was either going to help you or you knew it was the right thing to do. Well, the other thing of that too is you're hundred percent right. And uh, I think a lot of it goes into, you know, you know, the better you get, the more efficient your code becomes. And uh, because you're also building off of other things you've done, but um, you, you know, it, what I think a, a, one of the major problems is, 
is you, you know you as you would say a craftsman you're you're putting together that code and uh most people don't think of the next guy and um sometimes when you go back to something because you want to do it right you know sometimes you'll put something together like well i'll come back to that but it works right now um sometimes you want to go back to that because you know maybe you're not the next guy in a year that's going to touch that and then there's nothing worse to a client than when you walk in and go i can't use this this is yeah, it works, but I can't really do a whole lot with it. It doesn't make any sense. There's no uh, comments anywhere about what it's doing, where it's pulling from. Um, I just don't get it. And so you have to start over. That makes you look like crap. And um, even though you're gone, people talk. And, uh, you know, so it, it, there's a lot of reasons why you would want, as you said, as a craftsman to uh, to hone that in a little better. But um, yeah, I mean, I think we all do it. I mean, we all want, like, think about how many times we've all today thought back, geez, you know, I remember this project. And if I did it this way, it would have been so much better, so much easier, you know, like the, cause your coding now is so much different and probably far more efficient than it would have been, you know, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's rough, but yeah, it's, we've all done it. So, yeah. So early, so kind of putting a bow on, you know, the entry level person, maybe they just got out of school, maybe they're a self-learner, maybe they just finished a boot camp or a new program. Um, so Eric with the, and, and Alex, and, and I can, I'll definitely share my perspective too. If, if you could go back to the beginning and erase and kind of put yourself in the position of someone either out of a boot camp or just out of school and looking to start software development for the first time, what are some things that you would establish for yourself or how would you plan your development into a professional career where you're actually making a, a fair living? Uh, well, it depends on the goal. As an entry-level engineer, are you planning to find a full-time job or are you going? You planning to start your own business? Uh, well, okay. So you have to make that decision. So you right? have to make that decision first. Like what's your, what's your goal? Like, are you, are you planning to work at Google or you want to run your own design web development agency? Right. Okay. And you go, go from there because, uh, based on that, you, you'll have to make certain decisions. Like if you want to work at big company, then you have to start investing in specific frameworks, specific languages. You have to have specific skills because those skills are completely different from, from the, um, skills that you need to run a web agency. Mm -hmm. Right. Eric, or even the skills that you, you, you got in school, right. If you were in school, yeah. sometimes they're not exactly a match. There's pockets of things that just go missing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where in the beginning, you know, looking back, I think that it really does come down to, uh, you know, putting, get yourself, whether it's, um, because even if you're working for somebody, you know, someone's still going to need to know how much something's going to cost and time-wise and all that. I think that if I had right out of the gate uh, come up with a plan to dissect the project down to tasks, I think that would have helped me out a lot. It, it would have saved a lot of aggravation because not only that, I mean, it, it establishes worth right off the bat because you just took the whole project, put, broke it down. And now you realize, oh man, I'm going to spend the next two and a half months of my life, you know, doing this. And I can't do that for $200. Mm -hmm. 
You know what I mean? Like, so it, it doesn't right. matter if you're working for someone or yourself. I mean, it, it really does come down to the whole thing about this is worth. And um, if I could have broken in that down in the beginning, it would have gotten me further faster. But also, I think that the the approach that I took, I wouldn't necessarily change it because it made me the way I am today as a programmer. But um, don't worry if you're not like if you're on your own or working for somebody and you know, don't worry that you're not advancing fast enough, whatever. I mean, do it at your pace because you don't want to get in over your head and you'll end up going backwards. You get frustrated or, or whatever the case may be. And that happens a lot. Like someone, you know, they know a little HTML or whatever, uh, because they took the class in high school or something. And, um, or, or they took uh, a little bit of JavaScript and, they want to do some of the language that like you're involved with, John, and um, they're going to be in way over their head. The, the learning curve is too out of control. You know, keep all the work uh, within your wheelhouse is, is really the best thing that I can say is what was great for us, I think, is we kept it in the wheelhouse. Uh, I think that's great. So the so even early on, if when working with a new projects or even like a pro something pro bono. Consider breaking the project down and allocating at least estimating how much time, your time you're going to spend. But that's really an exercise for your own benefit early on. And then say, okay, well, if it's this much time and they're only giving me $500, how much are they paying me per hour? Exactly. It's kind of a, a, a an easy it? way. Yeah. Is this worth my time? Like, oh, wow, I'm really making $3 an hour. It actually yep. happened to us, right? Yep. We, we broke it down. We're like, wow, we're actually making like, six, eight dollars an hour on this with how much time we're spending. Right. Uh, is this and then some between the two of us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. Like oh, something happened with the scope that we just missed. Yeah. Here. The, yeah. It got out of control. But there's there, I think that's really important um, to, to do as an exercise and one to help us be honest with ourselves. And so but the other thing, too, is I really like what you said about keeping your immediate scope within the realm of your own uh, what's the word feasibility, right? Like you're not spending so like if you're going into a project, you know, you can execute on it. Don't also throw in learning a new programming language. Exactly. Cause you're going to, or, or just getting out. involved with any technologies that you're not comfortable with. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's going to be your downfall. Absolutely. Yeah. Or at least knowing that if you, you're going, if, if a project is pushing into an area where, you know, you're going to have to discover a lot of stuff, you know, that, that you're also getting an opportunity. Maybe you're going to not make as much as you could have, but you're getting an opportunity to learn something new. Yeah. And you can't charge them for that. They expect you to know that already. Right. Right. I think some, some, sometimes folks still, still charge for those things. Yeah. <laughs> they, they shouldn't. I don't think that's a good, good plan, but yeah. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of unfair, right? You're because the, you get to walk away with all the value while the person doing the learning, right? Yeah. You get to walk away with a lot of value, and then you get anything um, out of it. Else, yeah, right. I mean, it it depends though. If you're if you're in a project and someone says, you know, I really want this to be able to 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 connect with this and produce this, and you're already working with them, and uh, you say, geez, you know, I I can can figure that out. As as long as you're up front and you say, look, I can figure that out. That's going to be time and money, and um, I think that that's okay. But yeah, you definitely don't want to start out that way. I think that's a that's a recipe for disaster. Mm. That's when the client starts wondering where where or when certain deliverables are going to be. Exactly. Exactly. Or it didn't meet their expectations. Hundred percent.
All right. Well, I, I think we're about at time. Alex, did you have anything else you wanted to ask or cover? No, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, the last thing I wanted to to mention is that don't be afraid to um, to learn on a job, but at the same time, don't be overconfident what you can and can't accomplish. And be realistic with yourself, right? If you can't and don't know a certain thing, you've never built a, an e-commerce website before, and the client is asking you to build a website with e-commerce shopping cart. Just be honest. I've never done it before, but if you're willing to work with me and kind of extend the timeline, and I can exactly. give you a great kind of kind of lower price, uh, we can. I'm more than confident we can accomplish it. It's just going to take a little bit longer. Using that, learning as a negotiation tool. Yeah, it actually happened to me in a, one of the first websites. Uh, a person called and they needed the website for uh, e-commerce website to sell art, and I'm like, sorry, I can't help you. I've never built websites, e-commerce websites before. And I almost hung up the phone phone. And the person was like, wait, wait, don't you want to learn how to do it? It's like, yeah. And they're like, oh, that's okay. a good point. That's a great that's client. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's awesome. That's a very good point. Yeah. It's really, it just comes down to honesty. You got to just be extremely upfront and honest with everybody you're working with, including, like you said, yourself. So, yeah. So I think everyone or anyone listening, it's it's okay to feel like we're, it's normal that you feel guilty, but uh, you are delivering value. And if you are giving yourself away, know how much of yourself you're giving and set some expectations, set some personal goals, some healthy personal goals. Like I should, or even look at Glassdoor. I think that was something, did, I don't know if we spoke about that last time when somebody somebody spoke, I spoke to, they're like, oh, I was getting paid X for something. Oh no, it was another conversation I had with somebody else. They said, oh, I was getting paid X for something, but then I looked on Glassdoor and I saw I was getting ripped off. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Right? Like you have to get a, you also have to have a sense of what the market demand is. And there's also some sensitivity to where you're located geographically. Sure. Um, with being remote, there's a lot more opportunity in that regard to be a bit more flexible, um, which is also an interesting vector, but awesome. Well, Eric, uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Um, thanks for having me out. Yeah, man. Is there? Uh, do you have anything going on, or anything you'd like to to invite other people to maybe connect with you about? Ah, oh, no, no. Don't connect with me. I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of touch. <laughs> if you want to learn some basic programming language, please call me. <laughs> or, or sales skills. Or sales skills. Yeah. If you want to go sell vacuums, no, um, no, I, everything. I don't. I don't really go out on my own too much anymore. I, I've done it all. I've I've done everything I really wanted to do when it comes to that. So, but I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Well, and thanks for hanging out with us and and sharing some of the insights. You've always been like I've I've said before. I've uh, you've always been a great mentor to me, and I've always appreciated the time we spent together, and also the exposure to the different types of projects that we got to work on. Is it was definitely a lot of fun. Absolutely, uh, same. Yeah. Awesome, man. So with that, we'll, uh, we'll close up. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning into the Pragmatic Lead Podcast. If you found this conversation interesting or helpful, we would appreciate your feedback. If you want even more content like what you just heard, check out pragmaticlead.com. If you have a story to tell, send an email to pragmaticlead at gmail.com and someone will be in touch. Thanks again.